Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. have to say that it is just so good to see you. I've gotten really good at figuring out who people are from about here up, uh, and I've sort of figured out where you're all sitting. Some of you in your usual spots. Um, Some of you are pining for your row, and I get that, but it's just good to see you all here in worship. And for those of you that are joining us by live stream, this is a sign that it is truly getting better, that the conditions out in the world are improving, and that we will soon be gathered more fully together as God's people. But still, we are always God's people, no matter where we are. So hear with me now the words of the Lord which come from Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following desires and thoughts like the rest, but we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of this great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have been saved, and God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by this grace that we have been saved through faith, and it is not from you yourselves, it is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast, For we are God's people, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, we gather here again on a Sunday once again, bringing the concerns of our hearts, the utterances of our souls, the weariness of the week, the worry of the week to come, the celebrations and the joys, the eager anticipation. But during this time, O Lord, may our hearts be stilled, stilled so that we would hear your words. Not just the words of the preacher, not just the words of the liturgy, not just the words of the hymns and the canticles, but that we would hear your words. And that they might take root deep in our soul, that we would be changed, transformed. To go forth from this hour and forth into the world as doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So for many of us, this has maybe not been the year we thought, or maybe you have a day or a week where nothing seems to go right, 
maybe the people at work or at school or in public don't even notice you. You kind of go through life as if you were wearing a cloak of his invisibility. And as you begin to drive or walk or ride home, you ask yourself at the end of that day or that week, does anybody notice me? Does anybody care? Am I loved? And so you go home and you come in the door and you open it up. And at that moment, maybe there is a roommate or a spouse or a loved one whose face perks up at your very existence. Or a child come racing across the house, wrapping their arms around your legs and won't let go. Or the dog or the family pet that comes crawling and running through the house, tail wagging so hard that truly the tail is wagging the dog as it yelps and howls with excitement of your presence. And in that moment, you know without a shadow of a doubt that you are loved, that someone does care about you, that you matter. But that question lingers, doesn't it? That question lingers, am I loved? Does anyone care about me? Does anyone know that I exist? Does anyone see me? I mean, it's really fundamental to our whole existence. Yeah, we were created to love and to be loved. I mean, it's what it means in the Bible when we read in Genesis that humanity was created in the image of God. That we had the capacity to love and to care for each other and to love God. So it's when we are isolated or sad or disappointed that that doubt begins to seep in to the cracks in our lives, to come under the door and to begin to get inside of our head where we begin to wonder, does anyone care about me? Am I lovable? And we begin to ask that because we're seeking answers for assurance and hope that there's more to life than just rinse and repeat, rise and shine and go through the day. See, the answer to this question, it begs a psychological response. But see, I think there's even a deeper response. It's a theological response for us. Because it dates all the way back to that creation where we were made in the image of God, and God made us male and female, and God said, and it was good. Paul, in writing to the church in Ephesus, He's reminding them that they are looking for love in all the wrong places. They have aligned themselves with the things of this world, status and stuff and symbols. And so they're searching for meaning. They're searching for love. But in the process of that, they've fallen into sin where they are worshiping those things more than the God who created them, the one who loves them. And so it's in this separation that they realize that they are longing for a deeper, more meaningful relationship. And that's when he writes in verses 4 through 6, God who is rich in mercy out of great love, even when we were dead through our sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace we are saved. See, in other words, our love failed, but God's love remains steadfast and during our gloomiest moments, Christ welcomes us with open arms. God says, I love you 
with open arms. That there is hope for you with open arms. That God's love prevails. And that faith alone reminds us that we are loved by God. There's nothing that we can do to earn it. That God's love just pours out freely. That's what we Methodists, we call provenient grace. We didn't ask for it. God just gives it to us freely. We read in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall never die, but shall have everlasting life. But see, every day people in the world are asking this question. I mean, every day there's someone out there asking this question, am I loved? And maybe you and I, we know the rest of the story because we know what this book says. We know that the answer is yes, but still, there are those in our midst that don't know the answer. And my friends, this is where the church enters in. This is where our mission field begins, right at that frontier with those that don't know the answer to that question. See, the church is a place where we come to gather to discover that answer with people just like us trying to make it through life to understand God's love for each other and for us. It's a place where we grow in relationship with each other. It's a place where we bear one another's burdens, and we know that. But there are others out there that don't. You know, the mission of the church to make disciples for the transformation of the world, our calling is to do just that, to make disciples. What that looks like is that we are growing in our relationship with God through prayer, through scripture, through worship, through generosity, through service, through caring for the physical and the spiritual needs of those around us. The outcome of our discipleship the outcome of our following Christ, growing closer and developing that deep, loving relationship is that we are better parents, better friends, better bosses, better co-workers, because we know the love of God in our heart through our relationships with each other, our relationships in the church, and our relationship with God. I mean, Kate and Tammy, when I think about how they have rooted our children and youth ministries in this idea of love, I mean, in our children's ministry, their motto is, God loves you and so do I. What they want is every child to know when they come through the doors of the East Building in our children's ministry, that they're going to know that God loves them, but more importantly, that there is someone else besides mom and dad. That Kate and Jeanette, yes, as staff people, that they love them, that the rest of our church staff does that they're Sunday school teachers and small group leaders, yes, but that even you, the church, that you love these children. And as we pass the baton of their faith formation on to Tammy and the youth ministry and her leaders, their motto is loving youth on behalf of Jesus in the hopes of loving them to Jesus. Now think about that. Children come into this world and we say when we baptize them that mom and dad are going to pledge to raise them up in the church and we say that we're going to support them. And so what do they learn? God loves you and so do we. But then as they begin to mature and take ownership of their faith, that we continue loving them to Jesus until they're able to claim it for themselves. Loving them on behalf of Jesus until they're able to claim that faith and their love for God. 
I mean, we've got two confirmation classes, the class of 2020 and the class of 2021, that they are excited about their relationship with God and learning into it. But these aren't taglines. These aren't a marketing principle. This is intentionality in how we are forming disciples. See, the work of the church is to intentionally love God's children no matter what walk of life they come from, whether they're infants or whether they're adults, whether they grew up in Winston-Salem or they moved here, or whether they live anywhere around the world. The work of the church is to be intentional. I mean, we hear that in John three sixteen. We hear it in the greatest commandment to love God with all of our heart and all of our might and what? To love our neighbor as ourselves. Or what we hear in Matthew that we know and grow up knowing is maybe the golden rule to love, do unto others before. No, that's not it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or what we hear in John, beloved, love one another as I have loved you. You see, that's what we're about. We must be about this idea of love each and every day because there are people around us every day asking that question, am I loved? See, they're craving relationships. They're craving this knowledge that we know what we read in Ephesus, Ephesians, where Christ came and died on the cross for us because of God's immense love for you, me, and all the world. You know, we hear in the Great Commission that we're to go and make disciples. And sometimes I think the church gets it wrong. We sort of think it's idea that we'll throw the doors open and say, y'all come. But the reality is we have to go. We have to go out into the world. That's what we're supposed to do, to go out in the world and to show this love. And then invite them to come with us. So how do we do that? I think there's about 10 different things that we can do, but there's a long list. You can make your own list, but I've thought about this a little bit. I mean, here's how we show love to the world. Here's how we can show those that are asking this question, am I loved, that yes, you are, and it starts with me. Think about the people around you each and every day. When you see someone in a tight spot, pitch in and help them out. Maybe it's a coworker that's got a major presentation and everything is falling apart. How behind will you get in your work if you stop and say, let me help you get it together? What can I do? Or maybe if you see someone that is struggling and you know that it's, you can't help them with it. I mean, it's like a child with homework. I mean, they teach math in such new ways these days. I don't understand it. It was simple. But now math has gotten seemingly complicated. If you don't know how to help someone with it, find someone that can Help them get the help. Another way that we can show love to the world is to pray for someone. Now, I mean, I talk about this a lot, but that is one of the greatest gifts that we can give each other is to pray for each other. But when you see someone that's really struggling and whether you know if they're a person of faith or not, if you say, could I pray with you or may I pray for you? I have learned that about 99.9% of the time, even the most faithless person isn't going to turn it down because they feel like if you've got an in with God, they'll take it. Because when the ox is in the ditch, everyone wants help getting it out. It's a gift of love to pray for someone. 
The other one is to speak the truth in love. Now, we talk about this a lot in the church, but I've got a colleague that he tells a story that when his teenage daughter uh, was moving from teenage years to her college years, she came home one of her college years days and she says, Dad, I'm so fed up, I am done with men. She went through the whole list of boyfriends and she says, they're all jerks. They're all jerks. I don't know why I keep dating jerks. I've got to take better men. I've got to find better men. And he goes, you know, there's one denominator in all of this. She didn't want to hear that maybe, just maybe, the issue wasn't the guys in their relationships. Maybe it was the way she was approaching the relationship. Now, he said it was a little dicey for about a week or two around the house. She didn't want to talk to me. But speaking the truth in love helped her reframe how she approached her relationships. Another way that we show love is to forgive and forgive freely, not make it conditional, but to forgive each other our transgressions where we step on each other's toes. I mean, we pray that every week, right? But what if we really practice that, the idea of forgiveness? What if we humbly served each other, not asking for a gold star or recognition, but just served each other? Or practice random acts of kindness? Or what if when someone got a major award or they were going through a low period that we rejoiced with them or sat beside them? We wrote them a note to say congratulations or wrote them a note to say, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of you. These are simple things that we can do, but they show love to the world around us. And maybe if we do that enough, we get this opportunity to begin a conversation about sharing our faith, to let them know that there is this God in heaven that greets them with open arms and tells them why, yes, in fact, you are loved. And I want to grow along in faith with you. Let's journey together. See, my friends, that's the kind of love the church is about. That's the kind of love that Jesus calls us to share with each other. That's the kind of love that the world needs now more than ever. Because these days and times, there are people around us more and more than we realize that we may think they have it together, but if you watch them enough, they're asking the question, does anybody notice me? Am I loved? You know, in pre-pandemic times, when people had that question, they would come to the church and spend time on their knees in the pews or here at the rail. And yes, post-pandemic, they will do that as well, and we can do it now. But more importantly, being the church is not about being in a building. That's a noun. Being the church is a verb. That's us going out and living our faith, sharing our love, the love that we have received from God in heaven with everyone with whom we meet. And see, when people meet us and we're willing to share that love and they see it in us, then they know grace that far exceeds their expectations. But more importantly, just like when we have that awful day and we come in the house and the dog runs and greets us, or a child wraps their legs, their arms around our legs, or someone in the house perks up to see us and all the troubles of our day fade away. When people see the love of God through us and our relationships with them, some of their worry, some of their troubles, 
begin to fade away and they know the answer. I am loved by God in heaven. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.